Welcome to Improper Mimi. This is your host, Mimi Jacks. I'm excited to talk to you all today about things that help to empower women in all aspects of our lives, whether it's at home, work, or play. And today just happens to be one of those days where we're going to talk about something that can help us at work and at play. So we're going to talk to Yolan Jackson. She is a writer and a teacher and just a wonderful woman all the way around. And she's going to talk to us today about writing. We're going to talk about grammar. We're going to talk about expressing ourselves by using our words through writing. And we're going to talk about how important writing has been to like social movements, like most recently the social and racial injustice and during this pandemic and we really need some kind of self-care some kind of self-release to be able to express ourselves so thank you Yolan so much for joining us today please introduce yourself to everyone and tell us what it is that you do and why you love doing it so much okay hello everyone my name is Yolan Clark Jackson I am a writer and an educator for over 20 years Um, I've always written. I love writing. I love writing as a way into myself and a way to connect to others. And it's really served me pretty well. So um, here I am still doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a beautiful thing. It's not often that people really get to do what they enjoy and to be able to say that they enjoy doing it still, even however, after many years that, Mm -hmm. like you say, you've been writing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know we often talk about like how we met each other and it right. was through our, our daughters, you know, it was like yeah. our kids and daycare and, and it, it's just so cool how, how things circle back and, you know, like we just reconnected and I really was impressed by different grammar posts that you were posting <laughs> online. I have some friends who are like, oh, that's not right. That's not right. And, you know, right. they have their like pet peeves, but to see someone like passionately talk about accept and accept and there and there and two and two and, you know, so many different ways that people use our words and how we probably should be using them properly. Uh, so how did you like first get into like writing and teaching about writing? Um, well, I started writing in a journal, probably six or seven to kind of just record things that were happening. I was more of an introvert. So I think writing helped me kind of, record my observations and think about them privately. Um, So that started there. And then I always was that kid who liked to play school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I knew I'd be teaching in some way. I knew I'd be writing in some way and and very young. But when I started um, in Massachusetts, I started actually working at a program called Girls on the Move. Mm -hmm. And in that program, it was a prevention program. But that's where I started really getting into teaching writing specifically because we wrote like a Girls on the Move magazine. And that led for me then when I I started working and I ended up in a class teaching grammar, literature and social studies. So all the humanities and I was an English major and (laughs) and I was I loved history. So it just was a perfect fit. So I stayed in that position. I ended up starting another magazine program um, called Conchita Magazine. And those kids, many of those kids are now in the news. Like I have three that are nationally and nationally um, published publications or working as photographers or working as like NBC news broadcasters, um, CNN. Um, these are all former students, Vox. Wow, um, yeah. every person that's like kind of that started with me when they were like in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, mm-hmm. um, we kind of shared our passions together and then they ended up going and, and flying there. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, but seeing that is also part of the joy seeing where your students go. Yes. Now the grammar part, 
<laughs> it worked out quite ironically because I was terrible at grammar. Mm-hmm. Um, it was my mother who never even had a high school education that was a huge reader and a grammar stickler. So she was the one who was wow. always correcting my grammar. Mm-hmm. So when I got into teaching grammar, I thought, okay, God knows I need this class. So <laughs> you teach what you need to learn. Uh-huh. And what I found is that I love grammar, not because I like to correct people, because that's a myth. I think people think if you're into grammar, you're constantly like correcting people. Yeah. I like to share it. I think that I have fun sharing the rules and making them more accessible to the common person. So I like to make them funny, make mm-hmm. them fun, use the examples that you wouldn't see in a textbook um, mm-hmm. to make it more accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And it's just one language. It's like, yes, there are the rules for this language that we're all using, but I don't use it to like weaponize against people or make people feel wrong for how they use to manipulate language. Cause especially as a black woman, we play with language all the time and that's the, yeah. that's the strength of it. And mm-hmm. it's like, I break the rules when I, but I know the rules, but I break them and it's fun. Exactly. Um, but I think grammar is fun for me. I just think it's fun. All the ways that you can use this language. I think English language is the most descriptive language. Mm-hmm. It's not the prettiest sounding one, but it has the most words. It has the most rules, the most exceptions to those rules. And mm-hmm. I think that that plays to the American spirit of like, how diverse we are. So. Yeah. I mean, I really like what you were saying about we know the rules so we can break them, you know, because that's exactly how I think too. It's like yeah. I use writing so much. I, I use it so much kind of to be politically correct. There's also that fun and kind of tongue in cheek of knowing what you're saying and saying yes. it in the, in the correct way where they cannot rebut you or they can't come back and say, no, that's not correct. Or, you you, you know, I love using my words to kind of express the full realm of the idea mm. so mm-hmm. that it, there's less confusion, you know, Definitely. so I like to be as precise as possible. Sometimes break it down like I'm speaking to a child, but yes. to really be like smooth with it. You know, I, I think it's just such an art. It <laughs> is. Art. It is. It's fun. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you play with clarity. Like I said, the English language is, is the most descriptive. It has the exact wording for every shade of blue, every shade of whatever. Yeah. And you can really break it down to the bare minimum. And, and it's the only language that you can do that in. You know, mm-hmm. if you look at other languages, no one does the breaking down to the bone like English does. <laughs> so you can really bring <laughs> someone down. <laughs> and probably like a woman does in English. Because I know like when you're talking exactly. about summer, you know, some guys would be like, yeah, that's blue. And I'm like, nah, that's periwinkle or that's sea foam yep. or that's like sky blue or, you know, get like. Show, get those Crayola, car- those Crayola car- <laughs> crayons out. <laughs> exactly. Like there's 64 colors here that we're working with. It's not just eight. <laughs> Exactly. Infinite number of colors, right? There is. There is. So that's why, I mean, that's why what I enjoy about the language and what I enjoy about grammar is like some of them are really odd rules. And I'm like, let me share this, this one today. (laughs) Or like, you know, this is also deal with students. And I know that like sometimes it can be frustrating for them to think about like remembering all the rules. So I try to distill them down to like things that you're actually going to use and like when you're going to use them and why this is like, this could be valuable for you when you're writing yeah. on those sentence streets. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and I can remember like growing up, my mom's like a mathematician. So she was always either a math teacher or a math mm-hmm. professor or something like that. And she would correct my grammar, but you're into math. Like, what does it matter? <laughs> like, what does it right. matter? But 
And that's something like she instilled in me is that your words do matter, you know? So whether you're expressing yourself and talking or for some people, they, they may not be able to express themselves out loud, but they use writing as that form of expression. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love your wind down and write class. Mm -hmm. It's um, a class that now with the pandemic, you know, and everyone under quarantine, like right. anyone, not just in Miami, you know, can participate, but yeah, yeah. it's a great opportunity. And I even use it for myself as a form of self-care mm-hmm. where it allows me to, to come to a safe place, you know, with other like-minded women and to be led in writing exercises where I can express myself or even learning new ways and different types of writing skills. If you can maybe tell us a little more about how you came up with that idea and how that's been going, how I I think it's been very helpful to me. I'm sure (laughs) it's been great for others as well, you know, regardless of their level of writing skills. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I'm glad I'm going to start where you, where you left off actually the regardless of the level of your writing Mm. I had gone as a writer, you know, I did my MFA in creative nonfiction. I had been to a lot of writing workshops and I, and I'm a teacher. Mm -hmm. So I felt that there wasn't a space, like a social space for writing. It was always very academic, everything that I went to, even if it was like in a conference room and it was very much like, this is very serious. And it's like, you know, that's not how I fell in love with writing. I fell in love with writing because it allowed me to express myself and to play with words and to share it with other people and I think wind down and write was about let's just relax (laughs) you know (laughs) let's let's write for the sake of connection I think when we we talk to each other there's the expectation that someone's going to answer right away and writing allows you to take a break take a pause write your thoughts down so when the sharing part happens it's more full because each person has had a time to like take a beat Mm -hmm. Um, and reflect on the actual prompt and then come to like, okay, these are my thoughts when I was thinking about what were your thoughts? And it's kind of like, I just feel like it's a way to kind of dig a little deeper to communicate with one another. And so I, I find it helpful um, in bridging connections and seeing different perspectives and considering different things. And then, yes, then the writing is of course something that you can continue or decide to post on your own page. Or if you want to, if you're a blogger or a writer or another kind of writer, or if it's just for you, mm-hmm. um, I just don't want writing to be something that people think that it's, there's a, if you don't do it really well, then you shouldn't do it, you know? Right. And I think that's the kind of message that some people get. Yeah. Yeah. Like either through school or different life experiences mm-hmm. being reprimanded for, you know, their writing, they may shy yeah. away from it. Definitely. Um, much like girls in like STEM science and technology and mm-hmm. math, you know, like, we, we want to encourage them to continue in those fields and writing as well. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like sometimes, you know, when I would punish my daughter, you know, I, I couldn't figure out what, what right. you know, what to do. But I had her write essays. And oh. my mom, <laughs> I know my mom, <laughs> she said the same thing. She's like, that shouldn't be a punishment. I'm right. like, <laughs> but I'm like, but it, you know, gets her focused, like gets her thinking to like, okay. But yes, it has been used as a punishment in schools too. Like, yeah. okay, write an essay about why you thought to do that. And it just sounds like a, like running is either a punishing thing or mm. something that you should do if you have a goal to become a writer. If you were kind of, I've heard people say, if I was into things like that, it's like you're communicating all the time. So we're always communicating. 
So why not find a way to do it in a social context? So then then later, when you go back to your life, mm-hmm. you've like been able to kind of delve into a theme or a concept to let you allow to slow down and think. Because writing is thinking on paper. And if we can spend more time thinking before we speak or thinking before we act, yeah. we're just going to be better off overall, I think. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, I think practice makes perfect. Yeah. <laughs> and, exactly. and being prompted to do that To me, that was a new way of looking and thinking at writing. Like sometimes, you know, if I'm writing an email, I I know what the issue is and I know what I have to respond to. But if I'm just like trying to calm my mind down or to like, even with all of the racial, you know, injustice and, and, um, and protests that have been going on lately, just even how to process those thoughts, right. you know, that like were in my mind and, and putting it on paper was, was a great way to do it because, you know, sometimes, yeah, I don't argue a lot, you know? And so sometimes in politics or politics, people, you know, have very different opinions and, and it may take me a moment to gather my words, to be able to respond or like right. to go back and forth with someone, but being able to, to think about it, you know, and take my time and think about it and really process why does it bother me so much? Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, something I've really appreciated. And, and maybe people don't even know what prompts are, but maybe, yeah, tell us a little okay, more about like, what is a prompt? They hear Let's us talking talk about, about prompts. Prompt. Okay. <laughs> so wind down and write, it's a prompt based workshop where I give someone a writing prompt, which is like, Think of it as the gun, the starting gun that for a race. And so the race you're running really is with your mind in your your head. I say your head and your heart because mm-hmm. I think they're connected. So when you're reflecting on something that bothers you or something that even made you happy, you know, that's the heart force. And then your mind is like, okay, what did that mean? Why did I love that? Or why did I dislike that so much? And then the writing allows you to kind of put it down on paper and have something to actually, something tangible Mm -hmm. from your thoughts and feelings to look at and investigate even further. So um, the writing prompt is to prompt your mind to start thinking on what you're thinking about. It's like a form of metacognition. Mm -hmm. So that's what the writing can do for you. So um, let's do a writing prompt now. Let's get to it. So last time that we wrote, Um, I wrote about memory and how memory works. So, and then I shared a story about elephants. So I would like to see what you think is your reason why, why you think we should never forget. So we know there's this expression that elephants never forget. Yeah. And people are in this culture right now are saying things like, like, I don't believe in cancel culture. You know, you can't forget your past. So, you know, that can be taken a lot of different ways. When you hear, we should never forget. Mm-hmm. What do you think about? So that's the writing prompt. We okay. should never forget. What should we never forget? Like the first thing that comes to my mind is um, those who forget their past are destined to repeat it. Mm-hmm. And so then when I build off of that and to answer the question of what should we never forget we we shouldn't forget our past we shouldn't forget where we came from 
And sometimes, you know, in our families, that means we need to know where we came from. Sometimes there's um, secrets in families or um, stories that aren't told. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that means we have to ask those questions to know kind of where we came from so that we should never forget, we should never forget where we came from. I agree. Yeah. It's so much informing. Um, and, and just to speak on that idea of like cancel culture, mm-hmm. yes, not putting a monument to things that are painful doesn't mean that you're saying you're going to forget it. It mm-hmm. just means that you've learned from it. It served its purpose and you're going to continue moving on from there. We can't really forget um, if we're intentional about learning. So definitely. Yeah. yeah. And, and learning is never ending. It, it, yeah. You know, someone I was talking to recently was saying that they've been reading more now and learning more history now than mm-hmm. they have before. Because it, it, history isn't taught to us in schools. Like not so much Black and African history is taught no. to us in schools. So as adults now, we're, we're learning more. We're deliberately, mm-hmm. like you say, we're deliberately mm-hmm. trying to remember those things mm-hmm. so that we know our history. Yeah. Yeah. It's something. It's something that um, I feel writing is a way to process. Like we talked about processing your emotions. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a form. It's not the in, in beginning and end of therapy, but I do think it is a part of it. It is yeah. definitely a part of it because that's what you're asked to do when you seek therapy is to process and to figure out how to process those thoughts and feelings and kind of what to do next. And if you can get down at least to get beyond the ego and kind of see yourself even on a page that gives you a start. So I think writing is an important practice. Of course, it's a practical practice and we need it to be able to have clarity in our communication, make sure our message is passed. If we're in a business, we need to make sure that our, you know, that we get to our customers and say the words that they need to hear. Um, but I just also think it's a, it's a life practice that can be helpful to anyone, you know? Yeah. And something that just came to mind when you were speaking about that is so much of what we do at work is of writing things down and, and, but often sometimes at work also, we get all kind of comments and, you Mm. know, exclusions and microaggressions and different ways that people come at us. And by having, um, having written or thought about something in advance of that or in response to that Mm -hmm. can definitely help as well. Whether these microaggressions may be come towards us personally or someone else that we see, we're going to have to be ready and prepared to respond to that. That's so true. (laughs) That's a great point. I mean, one of the things that I've seen done to address that is there was a group of people that were writing canned responses Mm, um, yeah. for people that were already managing their emotions around certain things and then giving them the language to use because yeah. sometimes you are caught off guard and then we all know that experience where someone says something and then you're silent not because you you don't have the courage it's just because you're kind of pushed off guard and you don't even know how to respond to that and then you're like man I wish I would have said blah 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 you can't be on guard all the time and if you're not in the practice of processing how you feel about things through writing or journaling when things happen, it kind of happens and it 
And I think it gets built, it goes somewhere. Yeah. Maybe not go, if it doesn't go on the page, it's going somewhere because that's mm-hmm. energy. The energy just transforms. So I feel like writing is the safest way to keep it from like migrating to someplace else in your body and, mm-hmm. you know, being affecting your mental state, um, your energy level, because you can start to get drained from maneuvering around all these microaggressions, maneuvering around your silences, because you're swallowing your words and your feelings. Where are they going? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And you don't want to choke on them. You know, it, it can Precisely. be very painful, you know, the, and then I think we're talking about like triggers, you know, mm-hmm. or like we were talking more so like triggering memories and stuff, but yeah, yeah if, if we're not expressing ourselves, then definitely right. it could pop back up. Exactly. You never know when. It doesn't disappear. It goes someplace. <laughs> People yeah. think, and that's where you get that very, very passive aggressive, type of personality because they're not dealing with stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it goes someplace else and then it pops up and you're like, whoa, where did that come from? And it's because they're not dealing with it. Mm -hmm. And so it goes into another part of their personality even. And then you see like an explosion and you're like, whoa, (laughs) but that's because they're not like processing in real time. Mm -hmm. So processing in real time, I feel like is really, really key. So that's why I think people say, you know, yes, you need to journal, especially during when the pandemic happened. I saw all these people talking about, well, I'm doing a lot of journaling. I'm journaling yeah. <laughs> because you have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and even that things we don't want to forget, that family history or like, yeah. you, you know, you, you look at the protest happening now and, you know, you think about the protest that happened back in the civil rights movement. Definitely. And you just want to think like, imagine if, you know, our parents, and maybe some of them did, you know, imagine if they right. had journals or if they had written this down, if they had documented Definitely. that part of their life, you know? You're um, absolutely right. It was one of the weight, it was weighted on solely on the quote unquote writers to record. Yeah. And that's too much pressure mm-hmm. for one industry to handle when everybody's experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So if more people wrote it, if there was more Anne Franks, you know, just writing down and recording, yeah. that would have been great. Because mm-hmm. Anne Frank wasn't a writer till after she published the book, you no. know, and she was already gone. Yeah. So like these people doing diaries is also so empowering of people just kind of sharing their perspectives. I see it a lot more now on social media. Yeah. Um, people wouldn't consider themselves to be writers, but they are writing on Instagram and writing on Facebook. I yeah. just wish they would go a little deeper than just reposting memes and bad news, you yeah. know, like, yeah. You There's know. so much, you know, good news also, but you have Definitely. to elaborate on it. Like yeah. I, I like the posts where there's the history or there's the, um, they dig, like you say, they dig a little deeper. They mm-hmm. give you the background. And yeah. sometimes I'll go search for it myself where right. I'd be like, oh, I love this image. But then I'm like, okay, well, who did it? And then I'll mm-hmm. go to the artist's page and then get the artist's perspective or like someone who did a write-up on it or right. someone who may have wrote an article. Um, and I see it even on LinkedIn too, you know, where yeah. engineers that I know or other women that I know, they're like posting articles and I'm like, all right, good, yeah. congrats. That's you know, what we need, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we need to hear these stories. Of From people our- in their own circles, like wherever you are, right? Yeah. If you're writing in the engineering space, write about engineering so that other black young people mm-hmm. who don't know much about engineering can learn about how it is. 
And so those are places that I feel like all of us can contribute with writing and encourage people to read because most people read things that are interest to them. You know, they, they read that they can relate to it resonates with them in some way. So if we're writing from the spaces we're in, obviously someone else is going to be wanting to like live that experience or kind of know a little bit more about the experience, but there's just so much room for more stories and more perspectives. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. To me also, it's a little empowering too, mm-hmm. you know, like to, um, to be able to share something that I wrote or, you know, you're nervous at first, you know, at least sometimes <laughs> I am, I'm like, oh boy, what are people going to think about this? But, um, <laughs> and sometimes it's improper, you know, but, you know. <laughs> but that's why they, you know, that's what the whole thing is about is about yeah. stepping into your power. And mm-hmm. definitely they say, what is it? Mighty, um, this pen is mightier than the sword. Yes. And so it's because you really can make so much change, mm-hmm. even if it's just for yourself by like writing your own truth and then speaking your truth out there and saying, yeah, this yeah. is how I think. And it's okay for me to put it on, put it in ink yeah. and share it. Yeah. And that's what I want, you know, women and, you know, anyone really, but, you know, I, I, I do, you know, like mentoring with youth and I really mm-hmm. am drawn to like young women and empowering young women. And, you know, that's, that's something I would love for them to take away that your words matter and there is a power to it. And don't be afraid to, to speak your, your story. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've seen this series on TV. I may destroy you. um, I think it's with Michaela Cole. I think her name is, and she's a British actress and, and it's, I mean, you know, she's out partying, taking drugs, you know, someone, I don't want to tell too much about the the show, okay. but, but basically she has these flashbacks um, pretty much of like of rape mm-hmm. and it kind of goes through and she's a writer, you know, mm-hmm. so she's trying to write, but she's trying to process this thing that had happened mm-hmm. to her, um, you know, and eventually she not only is able to use her words through her writing, but she's speaking out as well, you know, so she's kind of grown into herself a little to, um, to express herself and to fight for her rights, you know, and to really, um, and to encourage her friends to do the same. So it, it kind of pushes it, you know, in that instance, it kind of pushes it a, a little more, but, um, no matter what, you know, we go through or what happens to us, like we, you know, should be empowered, you know, like to, to speak and tell our story. Yeah, because uh-huh. we empower others. When we tell our stories, yeah. mm-hmm. we remind people they're not alone. Yeah. Um, I think when we tell stories of people that are no longer here, we mm-hmm. keep their memory alive. Mm-hmm. Um, when we tell stories of things that are painful, we remind people that um, this also needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Even, you know, when you say things or write things that are uncomfortable, we push people to grow. So Mm -hmm. there's so many different reasons why they say that. And I agree that the pen can be mightier than the sword because we can cut, we can cut something off. We can cut something down at the root Mm -hmm. with our words and then allow something new to grow in its place. So that's power of story. Yeah. Yeah. And even like you say, there's so many descriptive words in the English language that, 
you, it could be you're describing a sunflower or you're yeah. describing like rays of light and happiness and sunshine and smells and how it brings back, you know, good, happy memories. Oh, yes. We got to pay attention. We got to write. We got to write. I just recently wrote this. We got to write for joy. Mm-hmm. We have to make space for joy. And yeah. when we are paying attention in the moments that are joyful, we have to write those down and share them so people don't forget that there's yeah. hope for the flowers, right? That we're still here living life and enjoying and there's so much beauty to pay attention to that yeah. we can't let that everything else that we see get in the way of like that we woke up that day and, mm-hmm. you know, that look at all the flowers here. Look at these plants that are just keep thriving despite the pandemic. Even with, um, you know, just once again, like with the, the protests that are going on, mm-hmm. not everyone's out in the street, you know, protesting. So that's true. That's another powerful way that we can use our words is that to, to write down what we see happening, to, yeah. to write down how we feel about it and mm-hmm. how people can help, you know? Yes, that's been powerful. I mean, I've noticed so many people sharing resources mm-hmm. and that has really motivated people, motivated people to write and share yeah. is knowing that, look, in your little space, this is something you can do. Mm-hmm. You can write down how something impacted you. You can, because when you're the only one, sometimes when you're the only one in the room, it can be very exhausting to be the teacher of all your white friends um, or your people that don't experience the black experience in the same way, I should say. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of weight sometimes. They want to hear from you. They want to see what you say and how you say it. It's like your moment to write down something that they can read and think about Mm -hmm. um, because they're more likely to take it in from you than they would from anybody else. Yeah. So that gives you a unique position. You know? uh-huh. <laughs> cool. Have there been any um, um, writings that um, have really impacted you like of late or, or most recently? Um, I read this piece. It was pretty, it's, it's not going to be what you think, but it was, <laughs> it was a piece about a woman that wrote about being Ophelia in a play. I don't know why it was really stuck with me, but the way that she connected to being an actress on stage and playing this character and feeling the same things of the, like the feeling cursed, like this character and going through that in her own life, playing Mm -hmm. a role, but then living in it another completely time zone was really key to me because I feel like there's so many ways that we can disassociate when stressed. Mm -hmm. And so the way that she used that really, impressed me um yeah and I think that's the other way we talk about playing with language is playing with perspectives Mm -hmm. and seeing how we're not that far away from characters written in books you know where they say art imitates life and life or does life imitate art and so that is what um I read recently that kind of stuck with me but on the audio I've been listening to um Mary Carr, who's an author that I really enjoy reading. She was oh, yeah. the author of The Liars Club and mm-hmm. Lit and Cherry. Um, and she's from, she's from Texas. And she's, but she said that she was very influenced by Maya Angelou and um, her, her book, um, Why the Cage Bird Sings. Mm-hmm. And when I listened to her thing about memoir and the memory, I really felt like that resonated a lot with me. And because that kind of spoke to my experience about, wanting to write true things as opposed to writing fiction. Yeah. So I think that audiobook too has been coming to like making giving it more 
relevant now more than ever. Like I feel like right now we all need to be um, processing our thoughts. There's so much coming at us and really taking on and remembering the good things as much as we can Mm -hmm. um, during a time of a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that has been informing my own writing and things that I'm working on. Yeah. No, I'm going to definitely look that up. Um, Yeah. yeah, I've been, most of what I've been reading lately has been, um, about, you know, women and history and, mm-hmm. um, about, because at work, you know, being asked on these, you know, different task force and things to help out and, mm-hmm. um, you know, volunteering for diversity and inclusion and <laughs> equality and injustice. And I'm like, yeah. okay. I was like, I don't just want to give you guys cookie cut answers. You know, yeah. um, I'm going to give you some really deep stuff that we should be reflecting on. Definitely. Um, so, but I definitely also want to try to balance that with fiction, you know, with mm-hmm. um, creative writing. Um, definitely. Because, and even, you know, for the podcast, it's almost like vocally creative, you know? <laughs> it's yes, like, it talking, you know, really like. You have to I'm edit thinking. it. You have to come up with different ways to transition. Yeah. So, definitely it's creative. When mm-hmm. I think about a fiction book, it's that I've read. Um, I would say Danticat would be 100% who I would recommend. Have you ever read anything by her? No, I don't think so, no. Um, her name is Ed Reed. She actually lives in Miami, but she's she's a award-winning Haitian-born writer. Mm-hmm. And her name is spelled A-D-W-I-D-G-E, um, Edwidge. And her last name is Danticat, D A N I. I want to say C-A-T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But her writing is fantastic. And if you want to read some like beautiful fiction that fuses poetry yeah. and prose, she's mm-hmm. a fantastic writer. Oh, yes. I'll definitely check that out. I would recommend anything by her. But yeah. she wrote, she's, I think she originally lived in New York. So her mm-hmm. most, her most popular book started when she was still, I think, in school. And she wrote a book called Crick Crack. And that okay. was very well like well unknown and mm-hmm. then she wrote a few others and I've read but yeah Crick Crack is probably the place to start but she writes about life in Haiti and coming over here but it's fictionized okay. I think some of it's like some of it's autobiography but it's mm-hmm. a fiction stories okay yeah 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 I'll look that up Crick Crack sounds familiar but you've I'll probably look heard of that one yeah yeah, yeah. One. and you ever read anything by Tanner Reed do like you ever hear of her no, I haven't, yeah. Okay, Do wrote this book called The Living Blood, which is like, I think they're going to do a movie about soon. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so that one's a good one, too, a good fiction story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something to take me away from some of this, all of yes. this, what's happening yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so tell me, what do you think uh, is your direction behind starting a podcast? Yeah. Maybe you want to do this. Yeah. No, I mean, I've, I've always kind of, um, my mind just constantly is going, you know, constantly Mm -hmm. like thinking of different ideas and problems and concerns that I have. And, but oftentimes there hasn't been a way to express that. It's Mm -hmm. been a lot of compartmentalizing things in my life. So I may talk to one friend, you know, about work and talk to another friend about dating Mm -hmm. and talk to another friend about church. Um, And then, and then also growing up, kids often were told, you know, to be quiet, just to listen to adults 
be quiet, don't talk back. That was my house. Yeah, exactly, right? So so for me, just getting older and why do I have to like hold these thoughts to myself? Like why not just say kind of what I'm thinking, you know? And that's where I came up with improper meaning, you know? Mm-hmm. So and, and it's not like everything we talk about is so improper and not ladylike. It's just more so that these are things that black women maybe have not talked about or have not shared with each other. Mm-hmm. Things that we go through, you know, we talked about being strong, like a strong black woman. Mm-hmm. One of the earlier episodes I did was about, that's a myth. Definitely. It's not such a compliment to say I'm a strong black woman because that's putting pressure on me and weight on my shoulders mm-hmm. that I can't speak out. I can't express myself because I have to hold it all together to make sure everyone else is okay. Yes. So I wanted to use the podcast kind of as a, as a, a release to, to bring on different women, different guests who have, whether through their success or failures or mm-hmm. their passion, have done things that other women might want to do or have suffered things that other women also have, you know, come in contact with and how did they get over and how did they get. It's definitely a great idea. I'm glad that yeah. you're doing it. I'm really yeah. glad to be asked to come on and share yeah. my story. Cause it's, like I said, it's another form of sharing stories. So I'm all mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah. And you have so many stories to share. Like a lot of people, they're like, Oh, you know, what am I going to talk about? Like you have so many stories to share, you know, and all of them, you know, help to make us who we are, you know, definitely. So, um, and even you should share about um, Rocco, you know, oh, share that's about right. your book. <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I wanted to talk about that when you first mentioned how we met. Yeah. Only because we were working on that book, believe it or not, when Harmony was like just born. And what happened was we were getting it to, um, so our book called Rocco's Big Launch is a book about a little boy who wants to be a rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. And we, I had written the first draft of that book back in 1995 and my husband Rodney illustrated it. And then we sent it out to get it published. And we got a lot of people like, oh, it's a great story. It's very cute. But they didn't want my husband. They were like, we'll find the illustrator. And I was like, oh, it's not kind of like how this is going to work. Right. Um, so, <laughs> like, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> <laughs> so we just put it away. Honestly, mm-hmm. we just shelved it because we were like, well, this isn't like, we don't know. We didn't have the information. We didn't have the experience. We just had the idea. So when we, in 2012, we decided, you know, let's kickstart this. Mm -hmm. So we read, we redid the illustrations we got everything sorted we got the book done to the best of our ability. By then Rodney had so much experience in graphic design. I had been writing a lot longer. Mm -hmm. So we just did a kickstart and we raised $10,000 and we published a thousand copies and we won an award from Writer's Digest magazine. I saw. Yeah. Yeah. So it was very exciting that we got our story. That was like, kind of like our passion project out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and then we've done like a little bit of a animated series with, Rocco and so I think we're in that same like place where we were back then we're trying to figure out like what's the next step how do we reach more people with this story because his message is about being persistent about Mm -hmm. um his message is about living dreaming big and Mm -hmm. not giving up on your dreams and sometimes overcoming obstacles and we kind of our Rocco story is really our Rocco story (laughs) like how we just (laughs) we just said we had to do it differently but we're not going to give up on the dream to get it out there so Yeah. And that perseverance, that's encouraging to hear because, yeah, a lot of people don't know how do you go about like writing a book, you know, getting Mm -hmm. it published. Um, And kudos to you for sticking 
to your gut and maintaining, you know, the desire to have Rodney be the illustrator, yeah. you know, because it's a family story. It's, it's something that exactly. you're both passionate about. Yes. And I love to see like couples working together and the creative juices flowing and to actually <laughs> be able to produce something, you know? Oh, it was so cool. When we got that, when we made the Kickstarter and we saw that number get to 10,000, we were just like, ah, we were just like, (laughs) we did it. And then when the books came, that was a whole nother really joyful experience. But I'd say the third biggest was when a friend of ours, they bought 66 books for a whole second grade class. Oh, It was so beautiful. That's probably one of the best things I've ever got an opportunity to do. Yeah. To do that. Yeah. To be an example for those kids and to see them read our book and to know that we created it for our children when they were very young yeah. and they didn't finish until they were like older, <laughs> but maybe someone else's kids get to like experience it. So it was very, very rewarding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that is so beautiful. Yeah. And for the kids to have their own book and for it to be a positive story about a young mm-hmm. black boy yeah. into like wanting to be a rocket scientist, you know, right. like, <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't just want to be, you know, a doctor or he didn't just want to um, be, you know, like anything, but he, and, and it's even a position that, you know, most kids don't even think about, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, Hey kids, you could be anything you want to be. <laughs> you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson gave us a review of our book. I saw that. Oh, yeah. What? yeah. I spoke to him on the phone. Oh, wow. I wouldn't say it was a podcast, but it was on the radio that I heard him doing an interview on NPR. Oh, wow. And I tell my husband, I'm going to call him and see if he'll like, you know, read our book and give us a review. And, and yeah. Rodney was like, okay, like <laughs> you just call your friend Neil and see what he says. Yeah. But Look, I wrote him an email. I said, hey, I just heard you on NPR. I really, we have this book about this character. We would rather have a living scientist versus this guy we have. And, um, you know, and he said, send it over. (laughs) He responded. Yeah, that is awesome. You know, see, you never know what'll happen when you write a nice email. (laughs) Yep. You just, that's again, back to the writing. That's right. It all comes back full circle. You have not because you asked not. You have to, you know, like just go ahead and put it out there. He do. He wasn't going to come over here and smack me for asking. So (laughs) I just, (laughs) I thought he was so cool. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. We'll also put in the description, you know, like links so that people can find you and that they can find Rocco's book. And I appreciate it. And I know you said, mentioned before about a cookbook that you had out to. Yeah. I'm doing a second edition of a cookbook called The Divine Cookbook, um, named after our our deceased daughter. And Mm -hmm. when that comes out, I'll definitely let you know. But that's going to be definitely as a fundraiser. We want to help other families that may encounter this dilemma of not having money to to pursue alternatives. Mm -hmm. So that's what that cookbook's going to be. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you have like writing and stories and recipes. Which which wild about this? The best part of this story I have to tell. Yeah. Because I hope to be on Ellen. I hope from from me to from improper me to Ellen with the story. There you go. (laughs) Building upon those prompts. Yes. Yes. Building on those prompts. I will just say that one of my former students that helped me to sell the original cookbook Mm -hmm. is now an owner of two restaurants. Oh, wow. So when she was in the seventh grade, she helped sell the original thing of this cookbook, the first copies. It's, she has the cookbook, but later on she goes to school, becomes a chef. She's been on Chop. She's been on several different food channels. She was in Zagat's 30 Under 30 um, 
and she was my former student. Mm. Well, now that we're redoing the cookbook, I've been redoing the some of the recipes with her in her kitchen, oh. and she's taking the pictures. Oh, wow. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> See, and this is what we're talking about, influence. Yeah. Just those connections, how we empower yeah. each other. And look. It's beautiful. There will be stories. It'll be recipes. Yeah. And many of the ones who donated, they donated to people who also have passed from cancer. Mm-hmm. And some of them have donated recipes just for family members or just because they wanted to help divine back then yeah and then i'm adding some recipes from my former student who is going to be including recipes of her own yeah. into the cookbook as an adult awesome well thanks again so much for sharing thank us. you thank you thank you thanks yolan bye bye Thank you for listening to Improper Mimi, where we talk about empowering women at home, work, or play. Once again, to Yolan for joining us today. I want you to be sure to follow Improper Mimi wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I hope that you will take what you've heard today and apply it to your life in some way, whether you write a journal or you just write a note or a card to one of your friends. Please do take that time to use your words, express yourself, and to invoke that power of not being afraid to speak your words. Thank you again for listening. Continue to share your stories and I hope you join us in listening to more episodes. Ciao.